Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to The Long Journey Home. I am your host, Corbin Johnson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. In our last episode, we discussed what was the 2014 Illinois First Edition Regional, and then specifically, that's a weird bit of grammar there, what deck I brought. And I brought a Bajoran deck that had a lot of interrupts in it that were designed to break up uh, strange meta choices and weird combos and that sort of thing. And as it ended up, it went two and one, which is good. Uh, It was really good against the Borg. It was really good against um, the deck that ended up taking last place, but it was ineffective against the Kazon, unfortunately. So let's talk about the game and let's glean the games and let's see if we can glean any lessons from what uh, happened. So my first game was against a PNZ six space mission deck and I got off to a very slow start uh, and that's very true of all of my games. It's a very slow uh, start. It needs, it has I think six ways to draw extra cards and it only has I think two free play engines. There is a one copy of Going to the Top, one copy of I'm a Doctor Not a Bricklayer, as Defend Homeworld. So, to some degree, oh, and of course, it has Bajoran Interceptor in it. I don't think it's the Interceptor. It's some Bajoran ship that lets you report with crew. So, the idea is draw a bunch of cards. And, oh, it also has the Orb of Wisdom in it. That's another free play engine. I never used it though. I'm so sad. I always had an orb guy with it, but I don't think I ever had the emissary with it, or I was never at a place where I could report guys, so I just never got to play cards for free with it, which is really unfortunate. It is one of, that's one of my favorite free play engines, just because it's so just useful, I think. Anyway, so not a lot of free play engines, but plenty of ways to draw cards, and I was hoping that the one would translate into the other. Uh, at the same time, a lot of the time my hand was just full of interrupts that just didn't have any use. And my mistake, since it was a deck I had built without much consideration or much chance to playtest it, was that I only had one Masaka Transformations in the deck. It needed probably two, if not three copies in there. So, huh. What happened in my first game? So, my opponent had six space five PNZs and one mission with a built-in outpost where he seated a Kerlin Naskos under a cryo-satellite. And that was a really brilliant deck. It just you know, didn't work out for him. I thought it was very creative, though. So, uh, he blew up... He, he <laughs> So here's the lesson. Uh, let's get to it, though. He had a scimitar staffed and ready to, like, angrily beat up any ships I play anywhere uh, by, like, I don't know, turn five or six. So he went to my headquarters and started firing at ships. So, well, it was my headquarters, so I should be safe there, right? Well, I don't play with Stratagema because I figure if my opponent's going to attack me in my homeworld, I've got to defend homeworld. They'll let me download a bunch of things and take care of him. But that's just kind of a general blanket assumption that I don't actually think about because 
Uh, this game taught me to not expect people to play 1E properly. And by properly, I mean playing balanced, not attacking at a headquarters, and, uh, well, not using new arrivals for <laughs> how it's being used. And, but, uh, you know, those things, there's no typical 1E player. Even though in 95% of my games I play against, there's uh, it's balanced, no one attacks me at my headquarters and all that. So you must always expect the unexpected. And so if I had thrown in... Uh, would I have built the deck differently had I thought someone would attack me at my headquarters? Yes, I might have thrown a Stratagema in because this deck does need a home, like a, like a home base. It needs somewhere where you're not going to come mess with me. And it doesn't have a lot of leaders and security. It does have a lot of ships in it, but it doesn't have a lot of leaders and security. So by the time he attacked me, I didn't have much to download. I think I downloaded two guys and two ships, and I was like, well, uh, I'll fire against you, but you're just going to blow up one of my ships. So, yeah, I ended up damaging the Scimitar, which is fine, but he, uh, you know, he didn't care. He killed four guys, maybe more, five even, um, so it didn't matter. So, Stratagema, you just can't attack me at my headquarters, probably would have been a smart move. And that's fine. I'm sure I had a lot of ref cards in my deck that just didn't get any use, so just swapping out for Stratagema, probably a good idea. Uh, I was of the belief that I thought that, that Stratagema was just a bad card. You know, uh, All the cards on it that it mentions by name are either banned or fixed, I think. And uh, that headquarters text, uh, I've got to find Homeworld. Nope. No, no, no. This has proven that that can happen, and it is important to consider that, to consider if your deck can handle being attacked at its headquarters. That was a very good lesson I learned from this game. The next lesson, <laughs> and this is a little bit more game specific, but if your opponent's going to go, uh, your opponent can go all space or all planet. How do you mitigate this? How do you prepare for this situation? Do you play a lot of dual dilemmas? Do you play with a balancing act? Would you play with an intention all hands or all available personnel to download that card? Uh, there are other ways to handle um, playing unbalanced. They're going to have to score 140 points regardless. So maybe that's enough to get you over the hump. Uh, in the zone, uh, they're going to have to spend three turns doing the missions as opposed to two. So, you know, that's, that's something. So what's the right answer to this? How do you defend against someone with Defend Homeworld? If I had had Attention All Hands, and I mean avail all available personnel, and a copy Balancing Act in my tent, well, uh, things might have gone differently. Uh, well, it didn't matter. I won the game anyway. Unfortunately, uh, my opponent did not score uh, any points in my game. Or, no, he solved one mission. But he was nowhere close to winning. So, it is worth considering, though, if your opponent's going to play unbalanced, what <laughs> is your response? Well, <laughs> they're, uh, they just shouldn't have... You know, that's not good enough. 
you have to be prepared for these situations. Would I have played differently had I thought someone was going to bring an unbalanced deck? Oh, it's such a tough question. I had four planet dilemmas in my in my dilemmas out of 18. And I lost four dilemmas because he needed another 40 points. So I give up coverage on a mission so that he can get a mission. He also had to figure out which mission I put those dilemmas under. However, I could have spread them across the missions, and that would have been fine too. So, I mean, if we're trying to think about a cost-benefit analysis to playing Unbalanced, uh, yes, you do gain uh, for some number of dilemmas that you're not going to hit. And the other balance is that my, I can't actually go and try to attempt those missions. So, I don't know. I mean, was it worth it? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't think I would change anything. If you're going to play unbalanced like that, uh, the, the best response for it is balancing act and it's not a good response because it is a seed slot and 95% of the time my opponent's not going to play that so intentional hands uh, yeah uh, I don't know or all available for snow I keep saying that I don't know uh, yeah don't think I would have played this differently Is it so maybe that's somewhere where the game needs to better encourage decks like this to not get played I don't know, I think it did a pretty good job of encouraging the deck to not get played. But had the deck been built differently, could have done a lot better, I'll bet. And going all space may still be a viable strategy. So, yeah. Uh, I don't really know what the answer is to that. Alright, I think that's enough of the first game. It was a really interesting game, and I do appreciate it. And I've learned those two things, which is really cool. So my second game was against a Kazon deck... Oh my goodness, using, using new arrivals and the new Voyager. And it was enough to defeat me. It didn't win the tournament, though. It did get second place. I got third. So, what happened? Uh, yeah, Kazon may actually be reasonably okay. It, their strengths are that they can't be assimilated, that they have a beefy ship that they can put other ships into, and... And reasonably interesting free play engine, but they're really good at battle. They are really good at battle. So that didn't happen in this game. The problem is that the Kazon have to come to the Alpha Quadrant, and it's kind of a one way trip right now that you have to be considerate of. Um, there are many ways to get there, but they all stop you, as far as I know. At least that's how the game was ruled in, uh, in my game. Uh, the situation came up that a wormhole mission at the opposite end of a wormhole interrupt would still stop the ship. So, or vice versa. So, I don't know. Maybe that's correct. Maybe that's not. It's how we played it. So, if you want to come battle me, it is going to cost you a turn. Unless you're going from a wormhole mission to a wormhole mission, which is perfectly fine. So, yeah. Uh... What to do, what to do. Uh, what did I learn? I learned uh, what, what was special about the game. I think it was just that he was able to get 100 points, or actually, uh, he got 140 points on me um, in short order, 
Delta has a lot of good skills, and I did have I did have medical crisis in the deck, so that also hurt him for an extra turn. Uh, my deck I just think was not fast enough. My responses, my interrupt responses, just didn't affect him that much. Lost verbal stability didn't make the difference, unfortunately. It only stopped his Voyager at one space mission once, and he had a lot of ships in the deck, so it didn't matter. Um, yeah, uh, Delta's still good. <laughs> it's, it go, it's really true. Delta is still good, and I almost played a Delta deck. I was considering playing Herogen Holograms. But, uh, yeah, so, there's, I don't, I don't really know what to take away from this, other than he outplayed me. If we played again, I might have beaten him, but he might as well have just beaten me again. So, yeah, it was a good game. All right, so, the third game versus Borg. Ah, uh, we learned from this game that Lost World Stability is a dick card, and you gotta be... A, you're a dick if you play it, that's me. And B, in in a deck that only has one ship, there are flaws. There are issues with it. Uh, we also learned that you don't have to play any cards in your turn. If you want, you are more than welcome to simply skip the order phase, or skip the, skip the play phase, and move on to orders. And if your first order is to move your ship, I don't have the action to play Lost World Stability against it, and therefore just move to a space and everything's fine. You're just not doing planet missions anymore for the rest of the game. Uh, yeah. So maybe Lost World Stability is a good card, but um, there are responses to it, so maybe it isn't such a bad card. So, haha. <laughs> It's a really good way to make people angry at you, though, especially if they don't understand the rule that they are allowed to skip their play phase. If this was a local tournament that was not a regional, I may have actually mentioned that. However, I didn't. So, uh, as as consequence of this, I may not have any more 1E tournaments uh, in my play area, since uh, at least one of my players is unhappy and several, and at least one other is also kind of taking a break, so, um, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. So, you can play good, but sometimes if you play good, people think you're playing unfairly. I don't know if that's the greatest lesson to take from this. Is the lesson to just not play your best? No, I think you have to play your best. It's the only way players can learn. It really is the best way to learn, is to play. And if you're not playing your best, then why play at all? So that's not really the lesson to take from here. I think it's more along the lines of just thinking about uh, how complicated a game 1E is and being considerate of the rules. Uh, yeah, it's worthwhile to know the rules. Uh, whose fault was it, right? Is it my fault for you know being inconsiderate and not mentioning that... I happen to know a rule you might not be terribly familiar with, maybe. Was it on my opponent to know better to play certain cards or know certain rules, maybe? Is it on the game to try to reduce these situations? Absolutely. I'm totally on board with that. The less rules overhead, the less this and that that I wasn't really aware of, the better. A game should be as straightforward as it can be. And if that means 
not having certain interactions available, I think that's okay. And one is the king of having these sour interactions that ruin of game. Uh, my That V'ger blew up my ship. That's pretty much it for me. So, yeah, uh, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing while you win the game. And that's not a good game. <laughs> but we still love it because those things can happen. So here's a game where anything can happen. So you might as well be prepared. You kind of have to understand what's going on. And I'm not going to go out of my way to let you know that certain things can happen. So, uh, yeah, um, that's just kind of the choice we have when we play this game. It's we have to give up having a reasonably easy, useful, worthwhile, fun game and have to put up with really angry things that can happen and sometimes you're just like what that's legal i had no idea and it happens and you go look it up and yeah so it's just the choice we make we play the game we love the game we know these things can happen and when they do you just gotta go "Ah, that happened i don't know what to do so there you go i think that we're going to find that 1E continues to be that game. Hopefully it simplifies somewhat as we ban cards that really make players miserable and hopefully start to consider getting rid of these interactions that are more along the lines of something that's interesting that could happen and become more of just they go away and the game becomes more straightforward. OTF's done a great job of this, I have to say. As much as I criticize OTF, OTF is made for a game that isn't three turns long and solves 40 missions in one turn and does all these other unpleasant interactions that we hate and made us hate the game when it was around. So I praise the community and the committee for taking care of these odd interactions and making the game a little bit better, but they still happen. And it is up to us as a community to consider them and consider if we want a game that does that. And if we do, we allow that. And if we don't, we make sure it doesn't happen. So. Well, the 1E Regional was fun. Going 2-1 was great. I look forward to next year's Constructed, Sealed, or whatever it might be. I'd be happy to run it. If not, I'm happy to let someone else run it. This year, Michael ran it and did a great job. He answered a lot of tough rules questions and... He appointed a secondary and a tertiary judge, and I think we all made decent rulings, and I hope that others had fun. I am so glad that three people came from out of town to join us, and it's extraordinary that because of that, we were actually able to have a tournament, and it was great. I wish I could come to some of the other regionals in the area and the continentals. I don't think I'm going to get a chance to, unfortunately, but I do wish everyone who gets to play in Continentals and Worlds this year. A lot of luck and uh, many enjoyable deck buildings and interactions and all of that because it is a fun game and we love it. In my next podcast I will discuss the TUI Regional. I'll discuss the deck I built, why, why I brought it, and who I played and how it went and all that good stuff. Questions, comments, or concerns, you can give me a call at 267-CALL-CPJ. Or you can drop me a PM at CorbinQ27 on the message boards. 
or you can always drop me a line at corbinjohnson at me.com. Until next time, this is Corbin Johnson signing off, saying so long and thanks for all the trek. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. To find out more about that license, visit creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash sa slash 3.0. Our theme music is Space Ace by Mark Teicher. Other songs included are Inspiration and Mission Briefing by Mark Teicher. Our outro song is Teleporter by Dungeon Kimura. You can find out more about these artists at jamendo.com, J-A-M-E-N-D-O.com. And each of those is released under the same or similar Creative Commons licenses as this podcast.